0: Hello, and welcome to Midweek in the Word podcast, brought to you by Faith Bible in Lincoln, Nebraska. Every week, we strive to become better readers, hearers, and doers of God's Word. Look for us every Wednesday where you stream your podcasts. Here's our host, Faith Bible's Adult Ministries Pastor, Brad Myers.
1: Hello again, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of Midweek in the Word. We're so thankful that you're tuning in and that you're joining us for our discussion. Uh, Today, we're going to be continuing our Bearing Witness series. We're going to transition from what was last week more of a gloomy book, I guess, if you will, the book (laughs) book of Judges, to a far more hopeful book and a very, very short book as well, uh, as we look forward to the discussion on the book of Ruth. It's by far the shortest book that we've addressed so far in the Old Testament. There will be some shorter ones here later that we'll address in the Minor Prophets and things like that, um, but we promise we won't we won't go too short on the podcast. There's plenty <laughs> of good stuff here in the book of Ruth as well, and I'm looking forward to that discussion here. Before I get into that, let me just bring back our guest on the podcast this week, Tom Rimple, Faith Bible Church's senior pastor. Thank you for joining us on the podcast again for this book, Tom. It's good to be here two
2: weeks in a row. I've yeah, been... we're, we're
1: on a roll here. Yeah, actually got four in a row
2: now. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah. It would have
1: been all of that. It's a whole and you're going to be back a few more times before this author is I said so. and done. That's for sure as well. So we've appreciated you taking the time to be on here. We also appreciated you taking the time to preach on Hebrews 11 last mm. Sunday. Covered the whole Hall of Faith, what I'm <laughs> sure was a daunting task for you as you wrestled with that, which was a lot of verses. But uh, listeners, if you missed that message, if you didn't hear Tom's message on the Hall of Faith, all of those people that were faithful, uh, that the author of Hebrews relies on, uh, we'd love to have you go back and find that message online. Our website is Facebook faithbiblelincoln.org. If you hit that media button and go down to the sermons button, you can always catch up on any of those old messages that you may have missed. Or if you're a podcaster, you can search for Faith Bible Church Lincoln, Nebraska, wherever you get your podcast. We have the one with the black background, the white letters of all the Faith Bible churches that are out there, which there are many. Um, That's our sermons feed podcast, and you can catch up on any of those messages if you've been gone for a week or if you want to go back and listen to a message uh, after the fact as well. But that's it. Obviously, we are moving forward into our next book. We covered the book of Judges last week. We're going to dive into the book of Ruth here this week. So in case our listeners are unfamiliar with this book, Tom, what is the occasion? What's the situation of the book of Ruth?
2: Well, again, to put it into context, it is another hinge book. So there's a hinge between Joshua and Judges. There's a hinge between Judges and Ruth. And in the book of Judges, when the people would rebel against God, when they were disobedient, he would either bring uh, their enemies as oppressors, or he would use nature, the weather. And in this case, the book opens with a famine in the land of Ooh. promise. And so much like Abraham just having recently arrived in Genesis 13 and have facing a famine and heading out to Egypt... So here is a Hebrew man taking his wife and two sons and going down to the forbidden territory of Moab. And so it starts out uh, at that point with, again, uh, a uh, a national evidence that God's disapproval is upon the nation. Uh, with the famine and the drought, and a man trying to provide for his family in the only way he knew how.
1: Okay, so we're in the Promised Land. We're dealing with Hebrews here at the point they're they're fleeing, yep. which is you know I I love that you mentioned that like the things listed off in the Pentateuch that would be the curses of resulting of God's yep. people rebelling against him included things like other nations being raised up against them, included plague and drought and things like that. That's the situation of yep. the Book of Ruth. Give us a time period. When about is the Book of Ruth speaking to?
2: Well, I I think I think it comes. In that end of that, I think it's in toward the end of that period of, uh, of the Judges, okay. uh, only because at the very end of it, it gives us a genealogy that sets us up for the birth of the great King David. And so we're, we still have the prophets to come in, in Samuel, but we're getting very close to that period of cycles to where God is going to step in and do a deliverance thing again for his people.
1: Oh, that deliverance thing, that's going to come up yeah. here later in yeah. the book of Ruth as well. Okay, so we got a pretty short book here. We've got this this period of time kind of post-Exodus, but pre-Kings and all of yeah. that, this kind of odd, ambiguous time in the nation of Israel. Um, how are these four chapters organized? How is this story told?
2: Well, it, it begins with two widows in a foreign land, one of which is a foreigner and it moves through their return home, not because things are uh, better there, but simply because when you're a foreign widow in a foreign land, your survival is marginal at best. Mm. So uh, that that's how it begins. And it begins to unfold. They come home. And uh, I've actually, I, I had written myself some notes last time I preached on it. But it begins with empty cupboards, empty arms, empty beds, empty wombs, and an empty throne. Mm. And that seems to be kind of the repeat. So in chapter one, uh, Naomi tries to convince her daughter-in-laws who have been widowed, she's buried her husband and both sons in a foreign land, convincing them to stay with their people. Hopefully somebody will marry them and provide for them. But, uh, but Ruth refuses. She loves her mother-in-law, and she's going back. So she'll be the outsider and the outcast mm. when they arrive. And then she really demonstrates great love and care for her mother-in-law in that, she goes out and she labors mm. uh, in the fields, and there's, there's a, a law that says that they're to leave the edges of the field unharvested so that the poor people could come and mm. glean, as it were. So she goes and does that, and lo and behold, God has a future husband for mm. her, and uh, how he sovereignly kind of leads two lives together. And then uh, the mother-in-law begins to recognize the hand of God beginning to bless after all the sorrow and all the pain she's suffered. She felt like she was cursed of God. Suddenly she's beginning to see that God is stirring and caring again. And so then she begins to introduce a major theme to it, and that is the kinsman redeemer. Mm. So we have these debts, we have these obligations, but there, there must be someone provided who can... Cover our debt, so you get the kinsman redeemer story, and uh, again, as, as the narrative unfolds, it, it turns out that this most generous, gracious man—and again, his name is is Boaz—and uh, you know, as every father hopes, is his daughter finds a Boaz and not a Bozo. Mm-hmm. And this is a real gentleman. <coughs> Who really looks out for her, protects her, cares for, her, and provides for her, mm. and uh, then realizes that he is not first in line, mm. and so there's another kinsman redeemer. So it's just a, twist, this is plot twist, right? Great <laughs> plot twist going along. So as you're going through to the to the first three chapters, especially, there's just one aha moment after the other.
1: Mm. And I love the you've you mentioned the the story because it is it is narrative. Yeah. Like we talked about that Definitely. a couple of years on the podcast. It just it tells a story. It doesn't go out of its way to kind of explain everything that's going no. on. It doesn't – it lets the power of the narrative convey what's going on. And I, and I love the way the narrative is told because it it really flows out in in such a tragic way. Like it yeah. sets up, you know, this woman who loses her husband, who loses both of her sons, this, this daughter-in-law that has really nothing – else other than her mother-in-law and her people and her God. But she goes back to this land and she knows she's not going to be accepted. I mean, like, she's a foreigner. Like, she's, she's not an Israelite. She, right. She's not of their tribe. Right. And it's like the helplessness of Ruth and Naomi, the the situation in which they find themselves when they are entirely dependent upon the grace of someone else and God's provision for them sets up Boaz coming in as this kinsman mm-hmm. retriever with such potency. I love the way narrative and story has a tendency to has ability to tell yep. this story as opposed to just explaining it. Yep. Um, so so how, sh- how should we set about reading this book? I mean, obviously, we want to read the whole story. In order to get the aha moments, in order to feel the punch of this message, you have to read the whole story, which with only four chapters isn't too yeah. daunting. But how do we set about reading this book? Well, I think the first to realize, not
2: only is this widow from Moab an outcast, But she comes from a group of people that are forbidden to even enter the temple courts or ever have any interaction. So, you know, this Hebrew guy that moves to a foreign land to save his family ends up allowing his sons to marry forbidden women. So when she comes back, uh, the least likely hero of the story is that one. So as you're reading it, you have to feel the tension of that. And then the other is uh, there are some phrases or terms that, so you start looking for repeated terms. In chapter one, the big repeated term is return, return, return. And then you come to chapter two, and the, the term is glean, glean, glean. And so you start marking those as you go. And then when you get to chapter three, it talks about rest. Will there be rest? There is no rest. And then you get to chapter 4, and it's the word redeem or redeemer or redemption. So the secret to reading it is to recognize those repeated terms that set the theme as you go. So Redeemer's introduced the end of chapter 3, carries us all the way through to chapter 4. And then ultimately, uh, you, you realize that this story is going somewhere. It's not just a great romance story of uh, a wealthy older gentleman that had never gotten married finally finds the bride of his choice, <laughs> who is the forbidden woman. is also blessed with a son, which is an amazing thing. But then also, to pull it all together, you have the genealogy given at the end of the story. At the beginning, you're introduced to a man, his wife, and two sons, and at the end, you're introduced then to the generation that how the. So we talked in uh, we talked in the book of Judges that they had failed to tell the generations to come. This story wraps up with faithfulness generation to generation. It was a whole different twist.
1: Mm. Yeah, very true. Okay, so we're reading this book with those themes in mind as far as returning and gleaning and resting and redeeming. And we're reading this, and it it is an impressive love story in its own right. Assuming you get over some of the odd cultural context, (laughs) what's with this whole uncovering his feet thing? And (laughs) uh, assuming you get through all the weeds. And leave before the sun comes up. Exactly. And you see what is going on there we also recognize it's bigger than Boaz. There's something so much greater than even Ruth and Naomi and Boaz and the players involved in the story. You've hinted at it with this genealogy that points forward to David. What is the primary message? What is the big story? Like, why is this story told in the Bible? Well, it
2: it so boldly, clearly uh, illustrates what it means to be the outcast, Mm. to be the unsavable sinner, and so you could see God's grace rescuing Naomi when she comes back to the land of promise. But that it's in this land of promise that the outcast is met with grace. And the provision for her being integrated into the community in is a, a redeemer, one who is willing to pay the debt. I, I wrote myself a note on a kinsman redeemer must be a relative, He must be willing to pay the debt, and he must be able to pay the debt. And so God in his sovereignty has provided one who is a relative, willing, and able as a picture of Christ. So in Boaz, we really see the portrait of Christ. The other thing that stands out, though, is how many times the names are repeated. It's not a he and she and they, but it's very specific with the names because he's
1: building a genealogy that we'll read about in Matthew 1 mm-hmm. and in the Gospel of Luke. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's one of those classic examples of this genealogy is incredibly important. We tried to make that case a few years ago, I know, with, <laughs> our, with our work on the different, you know, uh, themes, the different styles of Scripture as we were reading through how to read your Bible. And uh, the, this is an incredibly important genealogy. There's a reason this is put together um, and it's also an incredible reality to talk about you, you saying the outsider being brought in. Yeah. You know, we saw that earlier in the, in the story of Rahab uh, with the fall um, of Jericho. Uh, <laughs> with the fall of Jericho, we see that again here. Somebody that's outside, yeah. that's brought into Israel and included in that. Um it's a, it's, it's a cool story in that respect. And also pointing forward to this kinsman redeemer, who will be yeah. the one, uh, which is exactly where we want to go with the next question as far as where do we see Christ? You've, you've tipped your hand here. We know where we see Christ, <laughs> Christ here already, but explain that a little bit more, Well, I, and I had
2: to go back to what you were just saying, too. That it, that there are some stunning discoveries here, and the most stunning is not Ruth. But it is Ruth's father-in-law.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: when you get to Matthew 1, Ruth's father-in-law married Rahab, the harlot of Jericho. Mm-hmm. So Boaz, mother, was a redeemed outsider, outcast. That's the beauty of it. So where, But I think that where do we see Christ in this? Again, it's a hinge out of Judges. And in Judges, we are introduced again to the city of Bethlehem, which mm. will ultimately be the city of David. But it doesn't have a good reputation. So you start <laughs> yeah, with, right. I mean, like I said, you don't want to read the last chapters of Judges to your children in the evening. But the question is raised is, can can there be a good man out yeah. of Bethlehem? Yeah. And then all of a sudden you find out, yeah, there is one. There is mm. a Boaz in Bethlehem. And it's this wonderful story. Will there ever be another good man come out of Bethlehem. Well, there's a David.
1: Mm. And yeah. then
2: there's ultimately the Lord Jesus. So you could kind of follow it just with the community itself.
1: Mm. Well, and that's strong tie to the Kinsman Redeemer thing, too, as far as the relative You know, Christ became flesh, became one of us to pay our penalty. He was willing to step down from his throne. Scripture is very clear on that. And he was the only one as God that was able to pay the penalty for sin for everyone once and for all. You highlighted that a few weeks ago in the book of Hebrews, talking about Christ as the perfect sacrifice. He was the only one that could have done that. He was the only one that would qualify as the kinsman redeemer. This picture that's painted so vividly in the book of Ruth. Okay, so it would be really easy for us at this point. Again, um, some people really enjoy the book of Ruth. Maybe they like love stories. Uh, some people struggle <laughs> a little bit with the narrative and the story and all this. Um, but there's, there's a reason it's here for all of us. There's an implication to our lives um, in all this. What, what does God want us to do? What does he want us to understand or desire as a result of reading this book? Well, one of the lines I wrote for myself
2: years ago on Ruth is that uh, in the providence of God and his divine purposes... Eternal joys will triumph over seasons of earthly sorrow, Mm. that he is a faithful God who keeps his word. And you may go through a season of dark. Certainly Naomi did. She left. They had to leave their home in order to survive. Reminds us a lot of what we see happening in Europe today and Mm. wonder, would there be any hope of a return? She comes back to the land only to find out that after burying the three men in her life that her God was still faithful. Mm. And she ultimately experiences incredible joy as she holds another little man in her lap mm. when she has a grandson.
1: Yeah, it's so easy to lose sight of God, what God is doing in the grand scheme of things yeah. and the details and the hardship of our own yeah. individual lives, which yeah. in so many ways is a lot of the theme that you've been pounding yep. at through the book of yep. you know Hebrews as well, like the yeah. call to persevere, the call to endurance. Why? Because our hope is set in Christ. Our hope is in heaven, in that future reality. Our hope, hall of faith, is this future thing that we can't quite That's see right. yet, yeah. um, but we hang on to because God's promises are true and His Word is true.
2: Spoiler alert, we're seeing the unseen.
1: <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Well, listeners, that is the book of Ruth. Again, a fairly short book in comparison to some of the longer books that we've covered here on the podcast before, but one that is just packed with incredible imagery and incredible truths for our lives as well. Uh, it's meant to play with that book of Judges, as, as Tom highlighted, uh, that we see this incredibly destitute situation, this outsider, this foreigner um, who needs this kinsman or, need, or needs someone to come in and rectify the situation and address the issue. They have to be willing, they have to be a relative, they have to be able. They find that self in Boaz, but we also recognize that is found in so much more in the person and work of Christ on our behalf. Mm. And the implications of that for our lives, remembering that God is faithful, um, that he is trustworthy, that we can set our hope. Our hope isn't just founded in some internal sense of we're going to hope in hope or we're going to have faith in faith, but the object of our faith, Christ himself, is so worthy of our trust and so worthy of our hope being placed in him. Any final thoughts or encouragements from the book of Ruth, Tom?
2: Well, yeah, last week we talked about judges, and uh, the theme there is that there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. We said this one opens with empty cupboards and empty arms, empty beds, empty wombs, empty throne. It closes with the cupboards now being filled, Mm. the arms being filled, the beds being filled, the womb being filled, but we still have an empty throne. We're still looking for that
1: king. Mm. And again, the search continues. As the Old Testament <laughs> continues, we go, there is something future here. There is something all of this is pointed to. Shadow going forward. We will pick that up in the book of First and Second Samuel uh, next week on the podcast, as we'll address that as well. Um, and this coming Sunday, let me remind you listeners that we're going to be slowing down a bit from the 40-verse the pace that Tom set last week. Um, and we're going to be tackling the first 11 verses of Hebrews 12, um, where we actually find our theme verse uh, for this year on the podcast from Hebrews 12 as well. Uh, we'd love to have you join us for at either our 9 o'clock or 1030 services for that message from Hebrews 12. And thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode as well. We hope that this discussion on the book of Ruth has been helpful to you. Remember, you can share it with others, you can rate it, or you can comment on it to help other people find it. And we hope you join us again next week for First and Second Samuel on Midweek in the Word.
0: Thanks for taking time to join us for Midweek in the Word. To hear previous podcast episodes, be sure to follow, like, and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. To learn more about Faith Bible Church, please visit our website at www.faithbiblelincoln.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Faith Bible Lincoln or tweet us at FBC Lincoln. And now we leave you with these encouraging words from Hebrews 12. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith.